Achieving success, being healthy and wealthy, and lifelong happiness is anyone's ultimate dream. In the grand scheme of things, self-doubt limits you from achieving great things. The path towards the zenith of success and controlling your life is at your hands. This is the Unlimited Influence. Reprogram your subconscious mind with Dr. David Snyder. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. This is where we start to get out of hypnotist mode. Everybody look to the person immediately to your right, immediately to your left. Stick out your hand, look him in the eyes and go, just to spell two, room, two minutes. All right, two problems that we have. One, the fear of making a fool of yourself. And B, I can't in fact get hypnotists to do anything I want, even if they don't want to. All right, now, here's what I want to show you. You guys, please sit down. God damn it. I can't take notes anymore. Okay, probable things. This means I know the answer. This means I don't. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, this means, oh, shit, I hope he doesn't call on me. <laughs> right? This means yes. This means no. There will be a test. <laughs> if profanity, foul language, blunt talk, or an occasional sexually inappropriate metaphor offends you, there's a fucking door. <laughs> okay? I want to share something with you guys, just because... Um, one of the things that I spend a lot of time doing, I, I mentioned at the beginning of today's, today's talk that I've offered over 15 different products on conversational and covert hypnosis. And it's ironic, really, because if you come to my covert hypnosis class or my conversational hypnosis class, the first half day is on nothing but state control, how to utilize your physiology to put the whammy on people without saying a word. Okay? There is tremendous, tremendous power in the physiology of the human body to influence the states of other people. If you want to, if you want to check on the reference work behind this, there's a, a website called heartmath.org. The human heart radiates an electromagnetic field eight feet in diameter that is measurable with instruments from the human body. Therefore, at the, ex at the most basic range, you can be within 16 feet of somebody and train your nervous system to theirs, shift your state, and they will follow. Once you know what that entrainment feels like. Okay? And for those, how many people have been, have been in one of my CPI or STL classes? If you don't believe me, talk to these people. Okay? It's voodoo. All right? But once you understand how it works and you feel when the sensation hits, any emotional state that you go into, their nervous system will track you. Okay? So if you're really good at eyes open hypnosis, for yourself, and you can train with a nervous system and go into an eyes open state of hypnosis yourself, guess what happens to them? Okay? It can't not happen. It's based on the law of physics, not psychology or new age stuff. Okay? So here's what I want you to do. What I want you to do right now is I want you to close your eyes, if you will. I want you to remember a time in your life when you felt absolutely amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Now I'm gonna give you some parameters just so we get really goal-oriented and focused and successful. I want, you to, I want you to add some parameters. Make it something that you saw what you wanted, you decided then and there that you wanted it to the, at the very bottom, you know, the deepest level of your mind, body, and soul. You made a plan, you put that plan into operation, and you nailed it. Home run, touchdown, big time. Ah, yeah, baby. Right? And I want you to remember what that felt like. As you do that, I want you to stand the way you were standing. I want you to breathe the way you were breathing. Let those feelings come flooding back into you. As you let those feelings come flooding back into you, I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions. A, point to where you feel it in your body. Go with your first impression on this. Excellent, very good. Now, notice there's a color connected to that feeling. Pay attention to what that color is. And as you pay attention to that color, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice it's moving. It's spinning in a certain direction. I want you to pay attention to what happens to the feelings in your body 
is that at energy that spin, it begins to speed up. It begins to amplify. Faster and faster and faster. Notice what happens to your body. And just let it continue to build with every breath and every beat of your heart. Just allow it. I have to turn my mic down. That's okay. That's still, that was way too down. Okay. Now, without changing anything, ladies and gentlemen, not your posture, not your breathing, nothing. Try to feel bad. Notice you can't do it. Now open your eyes, look up here. Have a seat. Interesting. Here's what I talk about, what I mean when I say the mind-body feedback loop. Every emotional state that you experience has a corresponding physiology. Yes, sir? That better? Okay. Every physiology has a corresponding state. It's a feedback loop. That means you can inject change at any part and create the other part. Most of us, when we start to practice state control, which when you're going to do lie detection, you better have it in spades. Okay? Because when you start to understand some of the tactics that liars use to get out of being caught, it's going to go right to your state. It's going to go right to your ability to put emotion aside, or at least dissipate it or deal with it in a way that allows you to pay attention. Because when you're when all lies, all all deception cues are based on stress. They're based on neurological arousal. Okay. Now, as hypnotists, whether you're doing this overtly in a therapeutic situation or in a negotiation or in a business meeting or an interview or even, even on a date, uh, you got to know what the heck, you, you got to be able to function, right? I kind of open loop myself for a minute there. It'll come back to me in a minute. Um, you got to be in control of your state. Otherwise, your state will control you. When stress hits your system, your neocortex your rational, lying brain shuts off. Okay? All deception indicators are, all, are, all the, are, all, are stress indicators. When you start to focus on catching someone in a lie, you literally have to, write this down, ignore the truth. Or ignore what's true. You have to become a bulldog in your, in your lust to detect deception. Okay? But you also have to be able to maintain your emotional state. The fastest, most tactical way to do that is through your posture and your physiology, not your willpower. Your willpower is a finite resource. It's based on two things. It's based on the amount of glucose in your system, and the amount of sleep that you've had. Anytime you have to suppress an emotional response, you burn up willpower units. When the willpower units are all gone, you default to hedonistic, pre-programmed, unconscious behaviors. This is why most of the people's diets fail, because they're not equipped to deal with suppressing emotion that they have to deal with on a, on a constant basis. So when you start to just make the decision, and how many people here are therapists? Raise your hands. Are. Okay, how many people here are lying about it? Would like to be practicing. I have classes on that, by the way. I'm sorry. I paid clients. You know what? I hypnotized probably thousands of people for free before I ever took a dime. That doesn't mean it's okay. Okay, you guys worked hard for your certifications. You deserve to be paid for the good work you can do. But that doesn't mean that. You know, anything with a pulse is open, right? Well, <laughs> they don't have a pulse, they have other problems, right? <laughs> okay, um, so when we talk about lie detection, it, a lot of what we're gonna, a lot of it's gonna be about understanding states. Body language is based on the psycho-emotional state you're having and how the physiology is expressing it. If we can put somebody in certain physiologies, it actually becomes harder for them to lie, okay? 
that's little tactical stuff. We'll, you might be able to touch on that later. We want to get into the basics first. First things first is when you start, when you realize that somebody could potentially be lying to you and you want to find out the truth, you literally have to ignore the truth. It's like trying to edit something you've just written. You ever notice that uh, like after you write something, you go back and you start from the beginning and you, you, you try to edit, you go back and everybody who reads your stuff backwards find all the shit you missed? It's because your brain fills in stuff. Your brain rationalizes. It creates plausible scenarios in your, in your mind that could be true. A lot of times, people don't get away with lies because they're good liars. They get away with lying because we really want to believe them. And that's why you have to really make a decision when you're going to start employing some of these tactics. How far down that rabbit hole do you really want to go? What are the relationship? What are the what are the ramifications of pursuing that? Right, a lot of people, and I, I deal with a lot of people who step outside their marriage on a regular basis and things like that. Trust me, there's a lot of things that we just don't want to know, even though there's part of us that does. Right, so when we decide, when we make the decision, ignore what's true, focus only on the discrepancies and the inconsistencies, like a pit bull. Okay, the next thing we want to notice, we want to we want to start talking about, is what we call baselining. Now, how many people here have ever heard the term baseline? It's not free basing, okay? <laughs> Baselining is what's normal. How do these people normally behave? What's their normal posture? What's their normal body orientation? That's really where we want to start, okay? No single body language cue means anything, okay? So the first thing we have to look at is what are they normally doing? If I'm talking to this young lady and she asked me where I was last night and she happens to be my significant other and I go, what do you mean? Hmm. I told you where I was, right? <laughs> if my normal way of speaking is this and all of a sudden this happens, I just gave her the second thing we have to start looking for. A, I deviated from my baseline, but I also did what we commonly refer to as several body language cues within a five-second window. It's called clustering. Okay? Not to be confused with another cluster hyphenetic word you guys know about. Right? No behavioral cue becomes indicative of anything unless there's two, at least two of them or more. And they have to happen usually within a five-second window. Now, when I talk about lie detection being an indicator of stress in the body, that's exactly what I mean. It's very, very difficult for us to keep track of our stories. The hardest lies to catch are the ones most close to the truth. Okay? That's the hardest lie to catch. The bigger the emotional payoff or the less time a person has had to prepare, the more deception leakage you're going to have. In other words, the more stressed out they're going to get and the more holes you're going to find in their story. Okay? So when we start to talk with people, we have to look at, first and foremost, what do they do under normal situations? Now, if we're, if we're trying to do a covert interrogation, we need to start asking questions that are non-threatening, very matter-of-fact, and can obviously be true. Right? In, uh, in some of my persuasion courses, I have this thing we call the Three Magic Questions Protocol, 3MQ. has three categories of question, and depending on what context you're in, uh, I have lawyers use this to make expert witnesses waive their attorney-client privilege. Uh, I have people, uh, I have young ladies who uh, go out and put the whammy on guys out front 10 years younger than them and have wonderful relationships. Uh, I have I do I use this actually when I enroll clients into my either my, my private practice or uh, or my trainings. So 3MQ is a very very useful framework for creating very very intense connections with people in a non-threatening, very guided way that's very organic. And it goes like this: it goes location, occasion, uh, passion, career. and then history, our family, childhood history. Who were your friends? Where'd you go? Where'd you play at? Now, why is this important? Because when we start asking questions like this, we're going to start to generate pleasure responses. We're going to start to generate very, very um, useful information that we can use as a baseline. 
right? Especially the location occasion questions. You start asking people, what do you think of the, you know, what do you think, you know, if you're at a wedding reception or a bar, uh, what do you think of the drink specials? What do you think of the band? They give you an honest opinion. That's where you can begin to calibrate honest answers. So they have no reason to lie. They're not vested, right? It's very conversational. It's very easy going. Uh, and it gives you that baseline information that you want to start to work with. And you got to remember this stuff. You got to remember this. This is one of the reasons why I lied. First of all, the best lie detectors in the world are about 60% accurate. They're just not that good. Yes, sir? So, in your vocational fiction, you use the term, what do you think of? You ask them, what do they think of? Yeah, it's an opinion question. But of what's going on? Yeah, because most people, when, they, when, they, when they're moving through the world, they're in one of several compound states. Okay? They're either inside their head or they're outside their head. They're either internal or externally oriented. Does that make sense? Depending on what direction they're focused, they can also either be associated or dissociated. In other words, they could be in their head making pictures that they're feeling intensely, completely in their own head, or they're watching a movie in their head that maybe not have anything to do with them, but they're kind of distanced from it, right? If, if we want to interact with people, we want to manage the direction of attention as well as pay attention to how their body language, their facial cues, their body orientation, their postures shift as the topic comes closer and closer to things that are more emotionally provocative for them. I like this because it tends to create uh, a very strong connection with you. And one of the things that happens when people create strong connections is it becomes very hard to defend against your influence. It becomes very, very difficult to analyze what's being said, A, because you don't want to, and B, because you want your, your system wants to actually connect at a deeper level. So when you get things, first of all, they're much more likely to tell you the truth even though they didn't want to when you do this. This is crazy stuff. This is how powerful this is. But when they do lie, the effort is so hard that you will see a massive physiological shift in them just to be able to tell the lie. It becomes extremely obvious when you apply this framework because you've engendered states that they have to break away from to lie. They literally have to break their posture. Yeah. At, at some point, could you address, you said that the lies of things closest to the truth are hardest to detect, but people say the big lie is actually hard to yeah, detect. Yeah, that was the other one. Is it, 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 repeat the question, which was, oh, the question was, um, he's, I, he, his question was, uh, I said, I'm not used to the signage thing. Uh, <laughs> pattern interrupt. Right. Um, I said that the hardest lie to detect, the almost perfect lie, is the one most closest to the truth. But there are other people who say the big lie is the hardest one to catch. And that was actually one of the tactics the Nazis used, is every time they got caught in a lie, they told a bigger one. Right? It turns out it kind of worked too. Right? The idea here is, if you think, of, if you think about spin, the, the term spin, right? You take a few facts and build a story around it. It has absolutely nothing to do with the actual factual elements. Right? And can it be big? Yeah, as long as there's a few things in there that are true, the conscious mind will just say, okay. In fact, there's, there's some diabolical Ericksonian-based techniques that are, that are worked around this neurological principle. Uh, in fact, uh, on Sunday when I'm doing instant conversational hypnosis, uh, we'll probably be working with some of that diabolical stuff. Teaser, teaser, teaser. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but the three magic questions is, is very, very simple. Location, occasion. What brought you here today? Who are you with? You know, what do you think of X, Y, Z? Nothing that can be answered yes or no. Okay, we want qualitative answers, right? We want them engaged. Even a good interrogator, um, when he's going in there, uh, he, will, he, will, he will only resort to manufacturing stress in that environment as a last resort. He will foment communication. He will create connection. Remember, everybody in the interrogation room is looking for an ally. They're looking for somebody to believe in, even if they hate you. They're desperate for, for an ally somehow, some way. And so an interrogator will, and I'm trained in kinesic interview and interrogation, by the way. I studied, I, I was going through this weird phase in my life where I had to make a choice. I, I was simultaneously doing uh, pre-med and uh, law enforcement. And I looked at the stress level that cops have and how much they make and promptly chose healthcare. But, uh, but I was fascinated by the, by the program. I've always been fascinated by human behavior. So when you do these things, um, I keep open looping myself. I hate when I do that. Um, what was the last thing I said before I started talking about my, my aborted career in uh, healthcare or in law enforcement? 
Yes, no question. Yeah, we want qualitative answers because the more information they give, the more engaged they become, the more attracted to you they get. We want to make it as difficult for people to lie as humanly possible. Right? So this is something that if you don't know, the, even if you don't know the person, within, within 15, this has been tested within 15 minutes, you can have an intense, deep connection bordering on love if you follow this protocol. It's just not fair. Okay? You just talk about vocation. Well, it starts here because it's non-threatening and it's superficial and it activates the neocortex. Like a vocation or... Uh -huh. Well, if you're on, wherever you're at, what's in the environment? Like, I keep talking about my freaking intermittent radio, right? Every time I do, you look at the radio. Or not the radio, the, uh, the transceiver, right? What's going on in the environment? You have to be out, you, you have to be out of your head and in the world, too, right? You have to know what their baseline is. And one of the things I look for a lot is pupil dilation. I have noticed, you have to test this, I have noticed that when people start to lie, their pupils tend to shrink. Okay? And it, 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 by itself, it means nothing. All right? But when you see that distance, or that, that closing down of the pupil, what's going on is they're actually looking at what they're saying through a microscope. They're analyzing what you just said, looking for all the possible ways to circumvent, and then analyzing what they're going to say, and then coming back. If you know anything about NLPI accessing cues, you'll see their eyes dance all over the map. But again, it doesn't mean they're lying to you. Deception is based on stress. The more stress you can invoke, the more rapidly leakage will begin to happen. Now, you will simultaneously get visual cues and auditory cues. This is where the challenge really starts to come in because most of us can only pay attention to one thing at a time. Right? And usually it's our words, unless the, the body language shift is really, really out of proportion. So that being said, what I want to give you now, and besides there's so many different body language cues, how do you keep track of them? You just can't. But if you understand the spectrum in which all body language movement falls within, you can start to, based on a few basic ideas, extrapolate what a certain posture means. So the first thing I want you to understand is you have three brains. You have your, your paleocortex, your limbic system, and the neocortex. Your neocortex is the rational lying brain. It's the part of you that makes up stories to justify acting on what, you want, on, on the, other, what the other two want to do that have nothing to do with what's actually the real reason you want to do them. Okay? In hypnotherapy, we call this the presenting problem generator. Okay? The people who walk into your clinic, they tell you what their problem is, you regress to cause, it's almost never the thing they came for. You ever notice that? Okay? It's not that it's not connected, it's just there's so many different oblique connections and things like that, that until you actually provoke the emotion to file it right back to the initial sensitizing event, you can spend all day at that surface level and never get the thing handled. Right? People lie to us all the time. We lie to ourselves all the time. Okay? People are in your chair because they're lying to themselves more often than not. Okay? Now, I need two volunteers. And anybody who, come on up. You've, come on up. Great, I have a male and female component. This will be really good on camera. Oh, I have two females. Oh, wait, everybody's coming up. They're rushing the stage. Come on up. Okay, this is fine. Now, uh, back to back, please. Now, this is very cool, all right? What is your name, Miss? Katie. Katie, I'm David, and this is? Kim. Katie and Kim. <laughs> Alliteration. All right, so I need you to uh, spread out just a little bit. Now, what you're seeing is zero rapport. <laughs> Their backs are to each other. They're oriented a completely different direction, right? The reptile brain moves towards pleasure and away from pain. This behavior will happen at every level of human experience and human expression. If we can't completely move away from something, we will try to move apart away from something. If we can't move apart away from something, we will try to verbally or uh, vocally move away from something. Does that make sense? So the rapport continuum starts here. There's no affinity here whatsoever. As people become closer to connected, whether that connection is physical in terms of distance or, or close in terms of energy, right, in terms of their, their consciousness, what they believe in, beliefs, ideology, whatever, then this will start to happen. Now they're neutral. You understand the distinction? Neutral. 
two things will begin to happen mostly. Proximity will change. <laughs> Orientation. Well, I didn't look who's in the corner. That's a little much, right? But this is what I mean. If you, I call this the mating dance. Literally, this is how all, this is literally, and this is, a, this is hey, this is, I'm from California, it's cool. All right. Um, but this is literally, if you ever watch two people, in a, a male, female approach each other in a bar, what's the body language position? There's the bar. There's the guy. Yeah. Now, who's more invested in this relationship? Who has all the power? Right? As people move from complete stranger to intimacy, orientation and proximity change. Okay? Give these ladies a big round of applause. Thank you. It's a, uni it's a constant. It's a constant. And if you get the principle, anytime you see a human being, if you, you interact with a human being, or you see two or more human beings interacting, you will be able to extrapolate the rapport dynamic, who's more invested, who's the prize, who's the dominant, who's the submissive, who's the subordinate, okay? And when, they sh when the rapport breaks, and when it in intensifies. That's why I showed you this. Otherwise, we could show you, well, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. Now let's extrapolate that a little bit more. Um, Peter, come on up here. Elmer, come on up here. We'll do, we'll do two men together now, right? All right. So, um, one of the things that happens when people fall into rapport is they will orient on one particular person. Okay? If I'm the rapport leader, this happens. Look at their feet. The feet will always orient towards the rapport leader. When you're detecting lies and you ask a question that triggers a stress response, watch their feet. Because the feet are the furthest away from the face. It's a lie that people can, can't look you in the eye and tell a lie. Okay? It was, that was a lie created by liars. Okay? We have the most control, the most control over our face. But the feet, ah, nobody thinks about the feet, right? And you'll see a lot, one of the dynamics that you have, you see a lot of is I'll be talking like this and I'll be getting nervous, right? <laughs> Look at my lower body. What's my lower body doing? Sure, I'm, 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 I'm going to gnaw my arm off to get away from him. Right? Yes. Are these cues also true of sociopaths? No. No. And the reason I say that is because sociopaths don't feel guilt. They don't. They don't. They mimic emotion. Unless they're really, really stressed or really, really in pain in some way, and they have a very, very a high negative reinforcement threshold, uh, they will not give a lot of the same cues. Okay? Because they don't get stressed out. Because they don't feel that the rules apply to them. What will happen more often than not is they'll actually kind of get happy um, when they lie. It's called duping delight. Okay, and and the whole thing is is if you understand microexpression, which is a little bit more micro than I want to get in terms, no pun intended, a little bit more micro than I want to get in terms of, of understanding because they don't mean the person's lying. It just tells you that they're experiencing or suppressing a certain emotion. But what we want to look at first and foremost is where do the feet orient? Okay, if I'm really into what's going on. I'm going to get this. If he says something that I really don't want to talk about, two things will happen. A, uh, by the way, this is also called anchor point movement. It's a, actually, if you, if you get the book Spy the Lie, they have a great glossary in the back of that book. Anchor point movement means whatever I'm using for support. If it's my feet, my butt if I'm sitting, or my hands if I'm leaning on something. If he asks me a question like, were you with my wife last night? I thought I saw your car outside my house. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> I, was home, I was out bowling. Right? That's only one sign. You need two. Right? Oh, it was actually there was two. I stripped it away and I moved my foot. That's two. See how fast? By the way, what happened to my torso? What do you mean? I put a block up. I put a barrier between him and me. Yes. 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 In order for me to lie, it's very very hard for me to lie, especially if it's somebody that. 
uh, who, whose good graces I want, it's much harder for me to lie when I'm actually in the same physiology. And I know I'm lying. So that question you just asked about whether mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You would, yes. That's right. But that would give me an indication, do I need to dig deeper? Remember, you are not going to get the truth with one question. All right? Yes? With all these like signals and stuff, what is the difference between just being like defensive and lying? Because you can be defensive without lying, and you can be like Very good question. break the rapport and like step back. Mm -hmm. What's uh, it's Kate, right? Yeah. Uh, Kate asked the question: What's the difference between being defensive and being deceptive? Well, one often leads to the other, right? Or one is a reason for the other. I'll give these guys a big round of applause. But it's a good question, so let me address it. There's this phenomenon in kinesics we call Othello's error or Othello's flaw. And this is why baselining is really, really important. If you don't have a baseline, you don't have anything, okay? Othello's error, Othello's flaw. Othello's flaw. Remember, all deception indicators are signs of stress. So if somebody's already on the defensive, it's going to be very, very difficult to tell necessarily without digging really probing questions um, if it's due to just the nat their natural way of expressing themselves or if they're actually lying to you. This is why the baseline is so important. If you know somebody is naturally a little bit on the anxious side, then it's always a good idea, go back to the three magic questions, establish a non-threatening communication, and then slowly, tangentially, work questions into the dialogue. Yes? What is your posture and as an interviewer or assessor uh, during that process that gets them not only to receive you, but that you get in tune with them? I'm going to match their physiology. And, and we have some really cool drills that we do. Um, and uh, if we have time, I don't know if we have to take a break, we'll, we'll do some of these drills. One of, the, one of those drills is where you actually hold a conversation and you have diametrically opposing viewpoints, you pick a very polar topic, and you have to maintain your point of view and try to convince the other person while matching and mirroring them. And what people discover is that within a very short time they can't, they just give up. Because the physiology overwhelms your psychology and you just start looking for ways to compromise and agree. So there's a myth, I'm gonna dispel this here, that when people know you're using rapport techniques, that if they know you're using them and they call you on it, and you, uh, that it will break rapport, only if you cave and, and stop doing it. I call this reality frame override. If you continue to match and mirror them, they cannot beat the laws of physics. Okay? There's, I have a video I'll show later on. It's, I have 40 distinct metronomes, all oscillating at different rates. Within four minutes, they all synchronize. And your nervous system is no different. In fact, it, it happens faster. But people, when the physiologies are in entrainment, they want to move towards compromise. They want to move towards connection, which makes it very hard to lie. In fact, when they do lie, they will physically break the rapport connection between you. They literally have to change their posture to set up a defense to it. So establishing the baseline isn't just about what you hear. It's more about establishing that, that yeah. physiology. That's why I was asking, mm -hmm. what, do, what do we need to be doing you need to, again, you need to put the client, you need to put the client or the subject in a state of ease or, or at least normal. What's normal for that person? And you need to make sure that you know what is normal for that person, right? You know, if they normally stand slouched, right, then that's your baseline. You know, you say something potentially provocative and, and they, they step back or they straighten up, or they, they, they put up something that distances them either physically or symbolically, then you have a deviation from the baseline. Does that make sense? Okay. When you look at the rapport continuum, again, where are their feet pointing? Do the feet, I should have a chair for this. Someone give me a chair. Thank you, Omar. One of the things you look at I like feet. It's not a fetish thing. <laughs> One of the, uh, the 
the feet will, sometimes they'll start to bounce, which we all know is nervous energy, right? Well, if nervous energy wasn't there a minute ago, right? If, that's a, if that starts to happen, okay, we've got some level of stress going on. Now we start to probe, why are they stressed? We start to ask questions that move us towards that. Maybe sometimes the feet will actually move behind the chair. You'll see this a lot, that the feet will retreat, right? You'll see blocking gestures. Blocking gestures could be a cross, arm cross, right? There's this, there is, and, and each of these can by themselves is one cue. But if I'm, if I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm having a conversation with this young lady, and she asks me, didn't I see you with my daughter at the drive-in last night? And I go, no. <laughs> right? <laughs> it jumps right out at you, right? Right? And I'm making them big, but the, trust me, when, when, you, when, when you, you know, you're having this great, wonderful conversation, and everything's going fine, and all of a sudden that comes out of left field, now you can start to play a little bit. Does that make sense? We want to make these things big. We have to, and we have to decide, do I really want to know the answer? Do I really want to know the answer? Right? So feet, torso, arms and hands, face. That's the order that you want to start to look at cues because we control our face better than any other part of our body. Okay? What you also want to pay attention to auditorily are what we call non-fluencies or uh, paralanguage. Uh, do, they, do they normally talk very eloquently, very smoothly? You ask the question, does their tone go up a little bit? Do they start to speed up or slow down when you're, when you're talking to them? Now, remember, if they're excited, they'll tend, they'll tend to go up too, right? So we have to always look in terms of what's going on in the environment, right? Now, there are three categories of lies. Lies of falsification, which are the ones that we really hate. Lies of influence and lies of omission. Okay? Not every lie that we run into will be a lie of falsification directly. The most, the most powerful, pervasive lies are lies of influence. Lies of influence are an attempt to dissuade you from your line of communication by misleading you or misrepresenting or manipulating your perception of the person. So you may ask um, a janitor, maybe, uh, maybe you have a, a high-rise apartment somewhere, and you, you go in one day, and you notice all of your jewelry is missing. And the only person up there was the maid. She's in her 50s or 55, 60 years old. You call the police, the police start to ask around, and uh, they, they approach the maid and they say, uh, you were the only one in the apartment. Um, did you see anything? No, I didn't see anything. Did you take the jewels? Sir, I have been a maid in this apartment for 55 years. I retire next year. Why would I do anything to jeopardize my pension? Oh, liar. That's right. She didn't answer the question. And what did she do? She went to her reputation. She deflected and had you focus on why she couldn't possibly be that person, rather than just saying, no, I didn't take a shit. You get it? These things will jump out at you all the time. But many times they're delivered so smoothly, and, and they make so much sense, right, that we just go along. We, get, we allow ourselves to be deflected by this, right? So how many people here are familiar with the, the NLP meta model? Okay. If you really want to get good at pissing people off, and provoking stress responses, learn the NLP meta model because it's about learning how to be very, very specific and calling people on their bullshit. Okay? The meta model. Yeah. Most of us, when we talk about hypnotic language, we talk about Ericksonian language patterns or NLP language patterns, and that's the Milton model based on the idea of Milton Erickson. But when we start to meta model, when we start to ask very, very targeted, very, very specific questions, especially if we do this without a lack, without a, a set of rapport, you will see people twitch. They will get very defensive very, very quickly. Okay? And it gives you a nice basic set of skills to, to start to probe. Yes, sir? Specifically, 
Okay. Um, What's the definition of lies? Lies of falsification. Lies of influence. And lies of omission. Okay. Lies of omission. Omission is I just what's that? A lie of omission is where they just leave a piece of information out. Right? They don't you don't know, don't ask, don't tell, kind of a thing. So they will they will they will give you most of the information, but they will omit certain pieces that would allow you to find out what they did or what what actually happened. Right? Um, in fact, if you ever uh, if you read the book Spy Lie, which I believe we have right over here, um, for those of you who want to raid Amazon. Spy the Lab, really, really good book. I really enjoyed this book. Uh, another book that you want to you want to focus on is called Telling Lies by Dr. Paul Ekman. Spy the Lie, and it's by uh, Phil Houston, Michael Floyd, and Susan Carnicero. Um, anything by Stan Tennant is very, very good. He is actually a professional kinesic interview and interrogation instructor. I, I studied his work uh, intensely. Uh, What's the best book on lies? The best book on lies? The Bible. No. Um, <laughs> was that politically incorrect? No. Uh, the best book on lies, I think, I think that really depends. I'll tell you what I, what I really liked. Um, and this was... Um, I'm just kidding about the Bible. I read it all the time. <laughs> I'm trained in Stanislavski. Telling Lies is a really good book. It's a good primer. Very, very good book. I've had this, obviously, I've had this for a while. Right? Um, Stan, uh, Stan V. Walters also has a really good little home study course called Practical Kinesic Interview and Interrogation, a Pocket Guide. It also comes with some CDs. Okay? I'm sorry, what? This is called Practical Kinesic Interview and Interrogation, the Pocket Guide. Now, I, again, remember, we're, most of us are not going to be in a situation where we're going to sit there and grill somebody. This, I don't, I think he has a website. It looks old. This is kind of old. Well, I'm kind of old. Yeah. This one is Stan B. Walters. Stan also has a YouTube channel, which I highly recommend. Okay? You guys can pass it around, so you guys pass it around so you get all these things. Um, there are millions and millions of body language cues. Hundreds of them, thousands of them. Okay, the range of body language is as diverse as the people in, on the planet, even though they fall within certain patterns. But once we understand the big picture, and that's where I'm kind of going with this. In two hours, I give you just enough to get you in trouble, right? If we understand when we look at a dynamic, if I'm talking to this gentleman and we're face to face, we're we're good, right? But remember, the reptile brain runs towards pleasure and away from pain. If I'm really into this conversation, I'm really connecting with him, what am I going to do? Without, in that non-gay way, right? I'm going I'm to find some way to metaphorically or physically close the distance between us. Right? He asks something that makes me, makes me have to think and dissociate from the interaction. I'm going to physically or metaphorically distance myself from the interaction. Does that make sense? If I can't distance myself, I'm going to impose a barrier. A barrier can be an arm, an appendage. It can be a torso turn. It can be an object. You will see this many times. Uh, it's also a dating, uh, a, a very powerful dating uh, concept. When I teach what I call the seven stages of attraction, one of the things that's constantly happening uh, in that dynamic is the woman, by the way, is leading the dance through most of the mating dance. Guys, in case you didn't know that. Duh. Right. In fact, if you understand the seven stages, there's only two times a guy actually has to do actually has to do something, and if he does it at the right time, you can wind up in an interesting place. Anyway, <laughs> but what happens is when two people get together, um, you'll literally see if this is a wine glass and she has a wine glass, as she turns and orients towards him, she will subtly move something of hers towards the person called the reaching stage or the touching stage. If you are aware of that and mirror it back at the same time, or within, a, within that five second window, click. Combat. Every woman in the place is going, gosh, you're going, huh? Because <laughs> we're stupid, we are, we're just dumb that way. Um, but if for some reason, um, I need to get away from this person, right? I'm going to put an object right in front. Some people will do this. 
Um, when they're, when you can always, always tell when they're going to be defensive or they're, they're not sure about you yet because they'll turn their chair around and do this. Okay? Now, I like to do this just because I like that little screen. Some people wear sunglasses. But remember, any symbolic barrier is an indication of, a, I'm not ready to trust you yet. I'm not ready to open up to you yet. Right? So we start to see things like what we call the triple cross, which is, again, the same idea. This is my natural laid-back David position. You ask me a question that's a little problematic, and I go, well, let me say, how many body language cues was that? Three. Three? What were they? Uh, foot, lips, eyes. Yes. And head, yes, sir, because you actually... Right. I turned a little bit, I, I backed up a little bit, I crossed my legs, I, I did actually lift my lower lip, didn't I? Good catch, right? Now, obviously I've gone from a very relaxed state to a more pensive state, right? I'm in that little bit of a, okay, where's he going with this kind of a thing? Now, that could be a flag for you. Where do you want to go with it, right? Where do you want to go with it? You ask me another question, all of a sudden I go, ah, let's see, where was I last Tuesday night? Um... <laughs> Now, what was the, what, what were the cues? Eyes. Eyes. Okay. Turn. Body turn. Biting my lip. Okay. What did I do with my voice? Omission tone. I repeated the question. Liars will almost always repeat your question, especially if you catch them by surprise. Yes. Yes. That's why I'm being very, very global. Is there any difference in terms of global, uh, culture and gender? Yes, there are two sets of body language characteristics that I work with. I focus on one, which are the, what I call global. Every human being on the planet exhibits them. Therefore, whether I'm in New Guinea or New York, well, maybe not New York, but um, they're going to be universal, <laughs> right? And that's what I'm teaching you here. The, the, a lot of these things, um, like you know, just how you know, in Germany, you, you ask, you know, show the number three on your hand. They do this. Right? We do it like this. Cultural. I don't worry about those right at first. Why? They're not global. I need something that I can that I, is my foundation that if I go anywhere on the planet, I can start to uh, decode what's going on. Does that make sense? So anytime you get a metaphorical or symbolic obstruction is an indicator of, okay, something's weird. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Doesn't mean you're lying. Means they're defensive though, and defensiveness is a prelude to lying more often than not. Okay? Um, there are actually 15 traits that I'm going to share with you now. Um, I call them the Hansen 15. Uh, because they were actually taught to me by a man named Jason Hansen, who's an ex CIA operative. He runs a website called uh, Spy Escape and Evasion. Um, very, very cool stuff. But everything that I'm sharing with you now presupposes, it assumes, that A, you're in control of your state, you're focusing primarily on what's not matching up in their story. You're, you're, you're ignoring what's true. Got it? You're tuned in and you're sighted in. You're paying attention to what they're doing visually and what they're, what, what's coming out of their mouth. That being said, these things will tend to jump out at you, okay? The first is called the freeze. I'm talking, I'm being all Italian, all, you know, and I'm chucking and jiving. You ask me a question, I go, what do you mean? It's called the, literally, the freeze. They will literally stop moving. Okay, yes, sir? So is asking somebody to repeat the question just a significant? Yes. Because what are they trying to do? They're trying to delay or, or, or buy time, right? Now, in my course, um, we actually take repeating, uh, repeating somebody's words back into a whole other level, right? We're not necessarily lying, but we are actually uh, accessing their neurological passcode, and it goes right into their into their limbic system, and they start to feel really connected. But that's a different agenda and a different class. Um, they won't touch you or want you touching them. So let's say that, that you know I'm hanging out with my bud here, right? And you know he asks me a question, and I go, "What do you mean?" And he goes to step next to me, and I kind of 
you know, get that don't touch me kind of an energy, just kind of stay back kind of an energy. That many times. Again, if you don't have a baseline, you're not going to pick this up. If you're focused on the story they're telling you, rather than looking for the discrepancies, you'll miss it. You'll get sucked into the story. That's the power of stories. I'm going to show you some really cool story trick at the end. Because if you really want to catch a liar, have them tell you their story, and then ask them to tell it to you backwards. They can't do it. No one can do it. Um, now someone says, I can do that. Eyes, they stare too hard. So you start to... Because remember, we're taught that we can't, a liar can't look you in the eyes. So what's your name again, sir? David. David? I'm looking at David, and uh, David asked me a question, and I'm going to lie. And I go, and ask me a question. Like, what's my name? How old are you? How old am I? I'm 17. <laughs> See my eyes change? <laughs> See the hard, the hard, I'm going to get your ass stare, right? When you see that, that you're going to challenge me, motherfucker, stare? <laughs> right? That's what I mean. And that is actually one of the defense mechanisms that many times a liar will use, not just the stare, but all the other behaviors that go with it. They know that if, if you ask them a question and, and you don't believe them, that if they get a, give you a strong enough angry outburst, that it will scare you into dropping the subject. Could you demonstrate that again? Fuck you! <laughs> no, that was three. <laughs> Pardon my French. I'm sure everybody who's in the sound of this microphone just got really offended. But the whole so ask me the question. Okay, so how old are you? I'm 17. Okay. And then it's like you're trying to stare me down. Yeah. See, I'm holding that stare. It's a very it's very hard, right? It's like there's this wall here. It's like you're going to believe you, right? Gotcha. I'm exaggerating a lot. But the eyes are very expressive. Okay. Many times, anybody, does everybody here know the difference between a a false how to detect a false smile versus a real smile? Yeah. Raise your hands if you do know. If you don't, I will. I'm going to explain it. Okay. There's this thing we call a Duchenne smile. It's an organic, natural smile. Best place to see this in action is watching politicians and actors when they're going in and out of places, because you'll see this, and there's nothing from the nose up. When you see an actual legitimate, happy to see you, I'm in a good place, smile. The little crow's feet around the orbital bones and around the uh, zygomatic bone, actually, will crinkle. That's when you know you've got a legitimate smile. Okay? Unless they've had way too much Botox. <laughs> which means they're really lying. Okay? Uh, going back to something we talked about earlier, never accuse a person of lying directly, okay? More often than not, we need to warm up the pot before we throw the, before we throw the you know, frog in there, right? Or we'll put the frog in the pot and then warm up the bowl, right? We have to ask questions that are, in some cases, very tangential, very oblique, sometimes even allegorical or metaphorical. Um, one of the things that they talked about a lot, you guys want more, yeah, let's, let's pass these around. You guys probably need a little brain sugar. It's all good. I noticed that most of the dark chocolate is already gone. You're doing it to me, aren't you? You guys having fun with this? Is this good stuff? Okay, cool. Because if not, we'll all get up and do the hula dance or something. I think I have a twister game in my room somewhere. We'll play twister. Um, people squint. And actually, I did that with this gentleman here. When he, uh, when he and I were talking, first I gave him the hard, the hard stare, and then I, then I went like this. When they squint like that, a lot of times they're being deceptive. And again... We're presupposing that we've done all of our homework first. We're presupposing we're controlling our state. We're focusing on, on the, the inconsistencies, and we're looking for clusters, right? Any of these show up within a five-second window, good chance they're being deceptive, right? But then you have to make a decision. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Sometimes the worst thing is knowing somebody's lying to you and being unwilling to do something about it, right? Um, that's a different different issue, but um, you need them to be comfortable. This is why I like. I, I, this is the first time when I taught lie detection that I've actually taught people the three magic questions protocol in this context. Normally, I reserve that for. Uh, I work with a company called Next Trial Innovations. We're a relatively new company, but we specifically work with personal injury attorneys and jury consulting and things like that. Um, this is such a power. We literally have video. When you utilize the three magic questions protocol and the, and the state control stuff I started with, we literally have people, expert witnesses on video, 
waiving their attorney-client privilege to talk to my, my clients. Okay, now, for those of you who are in the legal profession, you know that's a big deal. Okay, it's that powerful. And it's not just a one-off. We have had several, several situations where that's occurred. So even though it seems very basic, the three magic questions and this whole matching, mirroring, state control thing, it is profound. If you really want to get in that, start with Amy, Pow Amy, Amy Cuddy's Power Poses, and then get a book called Honest Signals. Honest Signals. Okay? And it's actually not on lie detection, but it is on nonverbal influence and, and group dynamics. So for, for the lady here who does the security work, yes, that is going to be a, a goldmine for you in terms of what to look for uh, when people are, are trying to gain access. Oh. No worries. No worries. Okay. Um, do we need a break? Or you, you guys want to keep going? Okay. All right. <laughs> Why to argue? All right, so uh, Honest Signals and then Power Cues, which is an, an extrapolation on the, in the information in Honest Signals. Power Cues actually has, for those of you who do a lot of storytelling work, uh, Power Cues has a great primer on how to tell very compelling stories as well as the, the, the primary archetypal themes that people find the most persuasive, okay? So it's really a good resource for those of you who are gonna do a lot of story work, Ericksonian-based metaphors, things like that or if you're going to create your own. That, that was the honest, signals. honest signals and then power cues. Yeah. It's by uh, Sandy, Sandy Penland, I think is the term. I'll, I'll look at it later. Uh, let me just go through the rest of these. Liars put objects between you and them. We just covered this. They're going to when somebody's trying to be deceptive, when somebody's trying to create space, they're going to find a way to put something between us, right? It's protection, it's safety. Most of the things that a liar is doing that indicate he's being deceptive within the context of clustering and, and baselining are designed to soothe him. They're ways of venting stress. And the harder you try to lock down stress in your body, the more it starts, it's like steam. It seeps out at different places. We spend the most of our time covering our face because that's where we're looking. But if we go further down the chain, we start to pay less and less attention. You start to get more and more leakage, and more and more flags will become available that allow you to, to decide to... What the heck? All righty then. That was weird. Uh, that will allow you to, to really decide how deep down this you want to go. Okay? Uh, their hands shake. If they go to shake your hand, or, or maybe if you finished an interview and, and, and their hands are shaking... Oh, they're literally shaking. Yeah, literally shaking. Um, or head shake, I'm sorry, head shake. Uh, this is cool. Actually, Nixon did this. Anybody ever watch any of the videos of Nixon? I am not a crook. <laughs> right? You guys remember that video clip or that film clip? When did the head not happen? He said, I am not a crook. It happened after. Many times when somebody is verbally denying at the same time they're physiologically denying when they're being honest, when they're being truthful, the nod will happen first or at the same time as the verbal denial. Many times when they're being deceptive because they have to consciously track all these things, they'll give the verbal denial and then the head nod within a five second window. Follow me? Okay. That's a, that's a pretty interesting one, I always thought. Um, interesting about Clinton. <laughs> How did he get away? Because he was a master of rapport. Clinton is legendary for being able to just put the whammy on you. Do you think you have to study the whatever Oh, sure, they all do. Like, you can tell each other. Yeah. Well, you guys know what the Clinton, the Clinton stare is, right? It's a body language technique that he perfected to, like, deadly extreme. He would, you know, if, if I'm going to, hi, my name's Bill Clinton. Nice to meet you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what happened when I look back? I'm still staring. I know, right? 
the, the, the stairs like, hi, I'm, I'm David Snyder. Nice to meet you. Yeah, too. Oh, it looks back there. It just nails you. Yeah, right. Now, there's another body language tactic that I'm using. It's called the open heart trust trigger, which I only found in a book on how to, on, on, by, written for women on how to seduce men. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I don't believe that that's fair. <laughs> that was the test. I told you there would be a test. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Unlimited Influence Reprogram Your Subconscious Mind with Dr. David Snyder. Stay updated by visiting at www.davidsnydernlp.com and follow social media accounts. If you want to reprogram your subconscious mind, don't hesitate to call me at 858-282-4663 and we can talk more about what your mind has to offer.